electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Claire Odumodi. Today on our podcast, legendary and self-made billionaire Lee Cooperman on 55 years on Wall Street. I went to work the next day, February 1st, 67. The Dow was 1,000. In 1982, it was 1,000. So I'm not making a 15-year forecast. I think the market is fully valued. And generally speaking, the things that push the market up are changing. Surprise at Starbucks. CEO Kevin Johnson is out and the company's founder back in. But just for now and just for a dollar. Howard Schultz bringing the brew crew back to its beans with board chair Melody Hobson. That's how Starbucks was born. That was the whole idea of leading through the lens of humanity. It's the connection to our people and our partners that he put so front and center. Those stories plus Ukraine's president's message to the West. And on a literal light note, more daylight savings forever. I keep getting fooled, not realizing how late it is. Like, oh my gosh. That's not good to go to bed at 8 o'clock after a late dinner. Take it from me. You get fat. It's Wednesday, March 16th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in 3, 2, 1, cue please. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is out today. All right, now let's get to the latest from Ukraine. A delegation of European leaders traveling to Kyiv and meeting with President Volodymyr Zelensky. The prime ministers of Poland, Slovenia and the Czech Republic arrived in the capital last night by train. You're not only defending the territory of the Ukraine and of the Europe, we are also defend, defending uh, something which we are calling uh, fundamental European values. And the European Union has to give very quickly a candidate status and more than this. The main goal of uh, our visit or main message of our mission is to say you, you are not alone. They urged Europe to guarantee Ukraine's independence and offered a broad package of support. Zelensky is scheduled to deliver a virtual address to members of the United States Congress today. My colleagues, Slava Ukraina. Slava Ukraina. The American people are helping not just Ukraine, but Europe and the world to keep the planet alive, to keep justice in history. In the meantime, Russian forces fired more missiles into the capital, hitting a building associated with an arms maker and two apartment buildings. <laughs> Kyiv's mayor has imposed a 36-hour curfew, saying that the capital faced a difficult and dangerous moment. Near the outskirts of Kyiv, two journalists working for Fox News were killed and another was injured when their vehicle came under fire near Russian positions. President Biden plans to travel to Brussels next week for meetings with allied leaders. He signed a government spending bill into law yesterday that includes more than $13 billion in aid for Ukraine. Today, while we sign this bipartisan government funding bill. Thank you all very much. All right. Thank you. 
These are three tough hombres. Yes. They took a train. Yes. Into. Well, the, raising the stakes significantly. These are heads of state, and you know the idea that someone he cares, could be. Though. But, but with the idea that somebody could, but if, if that were to happen, what would the response be? Does, right. does it ratchet things up? But if you're those, those three guys, that doesn't, certainly you don't have like some type of... Bubble around you. No. No. Yeah. You're on a train with everybody else. Huge show of support. Pretty amazing. Uh, from those three countries, they, they have a lot, to, they, they remember to some extent well, what it was like. Next potential. They want to go back there. Um, I don't know whether to believe these things you read on, on aggregate websites. Battle of Wills. Russians could buckle in 10 days. This is from something called the U.S. Sun. Russians could buckle in 10 days as Ukraine claims to have killed 13,500 troops and destroyed hundreds of tanks and jets. Putin could have only 10 days to win the war in Ukraine before his forces buckle. And he loses the war. Is that part of what's, what's he do then? Then well, he does that, something that's else. That's the more concerning question. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if... The, but, the morale probably is bad if they don't have food and supplies and they don't know, you know, they don't know why they're there. You saw the journalist on TV. I don't know what's going to happen to her yesterday. Right. The editor no who war. Yeah. No war. Look, the troops, I don't know if it's 13,500 that have been lost from, from Russia's forces sure. who have been killed. I, I don't know if it's closer to 6,000, but in any event, it's probably more than we lost in 20 years in both Iraq and Afghanistan. We saw this coming, I think, yesterday, after Joe Manchin uh, made that move. Sarah Bloom Raskin has withdrawn from consideration as President Biden's nominee for a Fed vice chair for banking supervision one day after the Democratic senator from West Virginia said he opposed her nomination. And he would have needed someone to flip on the, not, not impossible that a Republican would have, but Susan Collins looked unlikely. Said no. She which, said no. Yeah, she said no, which was, and, and, and you had other concerns that were Murkowski. I don't know. Mitt, Mitt's out and about again, talking, uh, making her confirmation unlikely. Uh, her withdrawal could clear the way uh, for confirmation for President Biden's other Fed picks, which they've been, there's been kind of a hold on those, including Chair Jay Powell has been nominated for a second term uh, to lead the central bank. I, I had forgotten that they put all the nominations together as right. one, and it was a package deal. I, I, that had, that was some leverage. That yeah. Jay Powell was already renominated, was already reconfirmed. Right. Um, uh, probably a good thing to get your Fed chairman confirmed, given the difficulties they're going to be facing right mm -hmm. now. This is my favorite story. Is this good? This is a good one, I think. I always like fall. I hate the spring week. Do you know how tired I am? I know, or? but I like falling back. Yeah, but I, I, I hate springing forward. It's worth the trade. Because you never get the hour back. You never do. Yesterday, the Senate passed legislation to put an end to the biannual Joy changing of the clocks. The case for permanent daylight saving time is clear. So let's go from polar to solar. Cutting back on the sun during the fall and winter is a drain on the American people. We must pass the Sunshine Protection Act with almost no warning and no debate, the chamber unanimously passed what, they, what they're calling the Sunshine Protection Who's going to be against that? Which would make daylight savings time permanent. The bill's fate in the House is uncertain, but the United States tried to ditch the clock switching before. That was back in 1974. After widespread discontent, though, they went back to flipping the clocks twice a year. But this is the time of year when we pay for it. So it's been that, so tired. Been that way. I oh, know. <laughs> been that way since World War One. Yeah, and what, what, but what is it? Is it is it around agriculture? Wanting I think to it's have for more? farmers. Yeah, 
which I understand, and I don't really want kids standing out waiting for buses in right. the super dark no. in the morning. It, it, um, it's, there's pros and cons. Causes, yeah. It'd be good if you could go switch back and forth for when you wanted the light. Oh, that's It would be good if you just extended the light hours in the day, but I don't think we have the power to do that. That's right. It's kind of up to the sun. And there's still, there's long days in summer and short days in winter, but they're all, well, it's been they're all 24 hours. They're all exactly 24 hours. We've made dinner late every night because I, I keep getting fooled, not realizing how late it is. Like, oh my gosh. That's not, not good. Go. That's not good. To, to go to bed at eight o'clock after a late dinner. Take yeah. it from me. Yeah. You get fat. You don't digest things well. You don't sleep well. Coming Speaking up. Speaking personal experience. Yes. Like very recently. Yes, I got so Last many night. personal experience. Oh my God. I'm here. Had to be here for you. And you Thank had you. to be I here for me. Next on Squawk Pod, legendary investor and hedge fund manager Lee Cooperman weighs in on the markets, the Fed, and tells us how he's putting his money to work. Even though I'm not overly optimistic, I do think stocks represent the best game in town. It may be the best asset in the bad neighborhood. And later, a stunning shakeup in the Starbucks C-suite, but one that's been brewing for a while. The company's chair, Melody Hobson, joins us with all the transition details. He's done a great job for us at Starbucks and really wants to move on to do something else now. And then we have this MVP, one of the greatest players in the game on the bench. So the board called him up. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Leon Cooperman is a billionaire investor, longtime hedge fund manager, and philanthropist. He is chairman and CEO of his family office, Omega. Cooperman has a Wall Street career dating back to the 1960s. He rose from modest beginnings, growing up in the Bronx, and putting himself through Columbia Business School before a long career at Goldman Sachs. Investing his own money now, Cooperman's portfolio includes some large-cap technology names, healthcare, even casino stocks. He joined Joe Kerning and Becky Quick on our TV broadcast this morning to discuss the recent market swings, inflation, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and how a busy news cycle impacts where he's putting his money now. I'll hand it off to Becky. Lee, it's really good to see you this morning. Um, there's a lot on the table. Yep, yep. Nice to be with you. So wh what, what are you thinking right now? The last time we talked to you, you were talking about how you were uh, a fully invested bear. Has your situation changed at this point? Are you more pessimistic? Are you more optimistic? I would say uh, more pessimistic. Uh, uh, I'm less than fully invested. Uh, I think the Ukraine situation is serious. Uh, I can't handicap it. 
I basically think we, uh, you know, we got a madman running Russia. And uh, I think, that, again, I have no particular expertise here, so I want to be careful in making sure that this like, opinions are like noses. Everybody has one. I think Putin is a dead man. He knows it. And the question really is, does he go quietly or does he try to take the rest of the world with him when he goes? And uh, I don't know the answer to it. You know, he's got nuclear capability, which is, is troublesome. And uh, I think that complicates the situation. But I, I really, my, when, when I was more optimistic, I said that I was long-term bearish because I really felt that the nation was following very inappropriate fiscal monetary policies. You know, I think uh, I, I said this on your program last time. I said if, if Powell is right on inflation, I'll tip my hat to him. I mean, 50, 64% of a typical business cost is labor. Labor is not going down, you know, and the commodity inflation. Every executive I talk to just tells me about how their costs are out of sight. So uh, I don't disagree with those who think inflation may moderate to some degree, you know, from 8 or 9% to maybe 5%. That's more than twice what the... Uh, the, the, the Fed's target is. So we've had very inappropriate monetary policies, and we've had inappropriate fiscal policies. And either we're going to have to pay the piper or we're going to uh, fiat currency. Just think about uh, the debt buildup of the country. The station was founded in 1776. We had no national debt. In 2017, that's 241 years later, we had national debt of 20 trillion. From 2017 to 2021, we've gone from 20 trillion to 30 trillion in four years. That's a growth rate in debt far in excess of the growth rate of the economy. So I would say uh, I'm worried about fiscal, I'm worried about monetary policy. The interest rates are far too low for what's going on in the economy. I remember over the course of my career that I used to get a real return in bonds. Uh, if you say the inflation rate is running 8% and the 10-year is a little over 2%, you have a negative return. And I think that that's got to change. And uh, we're facing a regime of uh, rising uh, interest rates, rising taxes. Our fiscal situation is out of whack uh, and continued high inflation. And I come down to questioning myself, what is the appropriate multiple for the market? And I say the appropriate multiple, in my view, is about 18 times. And 18 times 225 or whatever the number is in the S&P earnings basically is about 4,000. And we're a little bit above that. So we, we, we're not undervalued. Uh, we're moderately overvalued. And I think conditions are going to deteriorate to some degree. You think we've already seen the highs for the year with the stock markets? Yeah, I'd say at least a 50% probable. Uh, look, the volatility is unbelievable. A year ago, you guys were talking about negative oil prices. And now we go to $130 in a year. So there's a lot of paper trading hands. Uh, but I would say that, uh, yes, uh, I think that uh, the highs are in for the year, and if we, if we go to a new high, it would be by a very modest amount, and I would be aggressively selling. And, you know, I made my money as a bull. I'm not a bear. Uh, I'm not short uh, many things. Uh, and, I, and I say on the plus side, I think, you know, we're the, uh, in the land of the blind. The one-eyed man is king. You know, uh, I'm not keen about investing a lot in China. Uh, I think given Europe's proximity to Russia, I would say uh, they're not going to be a favorite place to invest. So uh, and there are plenty of cheap stocks in the United States. So, you know, I'm finding plenty of things to do, even though I'm not overly optimistic. I do think stocks represent the best game in town, but I, it may be the best asset in the bad neighborhood. Well, let's talk specifically about those in just a moment. But if, if you are underinvested, that means you 
have money sitting on the side in cash? Is that for an opportunity? Because if it's a high inflation like that, that's you don't want cash either. Well, you know, sometimes the most painful asset is the right asset to hold. So I would say, given everything going around in the world, I don't mind having uh, some cash. Again, you know, I'm not competing with the S&P 500. I run my own money. Uh, my goal in life is to make money for two reasons. One, if I make money, it validates my views. And I, I'm, I have a certain amount of uh, pride and arrogance like everybody else. I want to be right. I don't uh, want to be wrong. And number two, uh, I've earmarked all my money for charity. And I like to give away more money. So, you know, if, I, if I'm right, I have more money to give away. And that's kind of my, uh, my, 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 my mantra. You know, I have a lot of things I support. How, mu how much do you have in cash right now that, that makes you comfortable? What percent? Uh, I would say about 10%, uh, which is, you know, a lot of dollars. And I've been very lucky. I, I have more money than I, than I need. Uh, I would say that it doesn't bother me. I find things to do, but I'm limited by my concern about the macro picture. You know, and uh, I'm not uh, interested in uh, being fully invested. I'm certainly not interested in being on margin. And I'm not, I don't care about the S&P 500. I care about absolute dollars. You, you've been looking at energy and investing in energy for a while. What, yeah, we had a very good year last year. I came into last year, you know, I, I'm a little nervous at the moment because when I came into last year, we had a, a very overweighted energy position that turned out to be right. So I had a very good year last year. Family office was up about 35%. Uh, I think energy stocks are cheap relative to the commodity. I think most of the stocks we're involved in discount maybe $65 oil. We're currently about 95 uh, and uh, uh, discounting about $3 gas and currently gas is about 475. They're generating enormous cash flow uh, and I don't see the administration doing the right thing. You know, it used to be drill, drill, drill. You know, now they want to lower the gas tax, which I guess stimulates consumption. You know, they don't they don't understand it. They're not capitalists. You know, I have a lot of things that bother me. You know, uh, I, I don't like the leadership in Washington, you know, uh, both on both sides. You know, um, uh, we have a leadership at a crisis environment. Uh, right now, we're not in a crisis. We're moving towards one. Uh, labor seems to be getting the upper hand, uh, which is a change. Uh, fixed income seems totally mispriced. I don't think the 25 basis points is the issue today. The issue is, what is the dialogue going to be from Powell? And he's been very wrong. And he seems to be have elevated societal issues relative to inflation as his concern. And we'll see if he changes the dialogue. But I, I, I think he should. I think Larry Summers is a brilliant economist. He's on the right track. I happen to agree with Larry. What, what's your best idea right now of, of all the things you're looking well, at? Well, it's a strange. Your life is funny. You know, it's very complicated. I don't want to take too much time on it. Life is funny. So I'm negative on bonds. And my largest position in the family office is Legato Debt. Legato uh, owns about 35 megahertz of spectrum. Uh, it shows you how paralyzed the government is. They've spent 10 years trying to get this thing licensed. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, the Department of Defense, I think, bogusly raised some issues about the, the, the spectrum interfering with the needs. The FCC, You're talking about 5G? 5G, amongst other things. The FCC studied this issue for five years, five years, and concluded by a five to zero bipartisan vote that the Department of Defense had no case. Okay, the first lien paper, which is trading around 76 cents on the dollar, has a 15.5% pick coupon guaranteed to be paid to the end of 2023. So you're going to get 31 points of interest. You can get 24 points of capital appreciation. So I'm going to make about 55 points on a 76 investment. 
And the question you have to ask is, what is the asset worth? I think the asset is worth materially in excess of the value of the bonds. The accretive value of the bonds are four, uh, a billion. And I think the asset they have is probably worth 12, 14, 15, 16 trillion billion dollars. So, you know, but it's orphaned and uh, we tend to go after beaten track. I like a couple of energy companies in, in, in uh, Canada. You know, one I particularly like uh, run by the, one of the smartest guys in Canada, uh, Michael Rose, uh, is Tourmaline. Uh, and then the other one, his brother-in-law, runs uh, Paramount Resources. Paramount Resources is like a $25, $26 stock. They have an energy portfolio of $4 a share in non-income producing energy stocks. They'll be added debt by the third quarter of this year. They're generating about uh, four or five hundred million dollars of excess cash beyond their dividend, and their, ca their capex is covered. So you have a debt-free energy company selling at less than three times free cash flow. You know, I got to own something like that. And he's got a lot of skin in the game. The the uh, Riddell family owns half the company, which is about a billion and a half, two billion dollar investment. And he's a, a smart guy. So, you know, I'm finding plenty of things to do, uh, Fiserv, Cigna, I'm more old economy uh, oriented, but I spoke with the manager of Cigna yesterday, uh, you know, the stock is about nine or 10 times earnings, they're buying back a lot of stock, their earnings are growing, um, decent balance sheet, um, you know, I, I'm finding things to do, but I have to say that I, I have a conservative view of the world, and uh, I think bonds are totally mispriced, so I have no interest in bonds. And Legato is really more like an equity, but I think that that's like a nothing. Nothing is a layup in the world we live in, but it's as close to a layup as I know. You uh, usually are talking about names that are a little off the beaten track, but two of your big holdings are in very commonly held stocks, technology names, Google and Microsoft. Um, yeah, well, you know, I would say that they're my window of technology. I'm not a technology expert, but I think Google and Microsoft are great windows in technology. They're reasonably priced, you know. Uh, they're not. A, they're, they're higher valued than they were four or five years ago, but they're not excessively valued. I've made this point in the program in the past, but you know, you go back to two periods of excess, 1972, Nifty 50. You know, Avon was 60 times earnings, Polaroid was 90 times earnings. I don't think you know 25, 30 multiples are high. Back in 1972, the 10-year government was 6.5%. And, 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 and uh, uh, Fed funds was, I think, about 4 or 5%. You know, we, we're talking about Fed funds maybe getting to 200 basis points over the next year, and the 10-year government is two, going to go up. But you know, not, they're not expensive relative to interest rates, and they're my window on technology. They forgot more about technology than I know. So I have a, a, my, one of my biggest positions is Google, followed by Microsoft. And they've treated me well, and I pay taxes, so I'm not going to sell them. I've sold off some options against my position because I think leadership in the market is changing. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I would say it's uh, I think we're in a market of stocks rather than a stock market. If I had to guess, the analogy I use, I, I use two analogies. One is I talk about the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh, and if you're familiar with the Bible, had a dream. And he dreamed we were going to have seven lean years following the seven fat years. His dream was interpreted by Joseph in the Bible. Okay, I'm not making a seven-year forecast, but I think we've pulled demand forward with inappropriate fiscal monetary policies. We have to start addressing it. Uh, the uh, other story I like to tell is, you know, I got my MBA from Columbia Business School on January 31st of 1967. 
had a six month old kid who's a very smart, 55 years old now, basically. Uh, uh, I had a National Defense Education Act student loan to repay. I had no money in the bank, so by definition, I was broke. I couldn't afford a vacation. I went to work the next day, February 1st, 67, for my 25 year career at Goldman Sachs, February 1st, 67. The Dow was 1,000. In 1982, it was 1,000. So I'm not making 15 year forecasts, I'm not making seven year forecasts. I think the market is fully valued, and generally speaking, the things that uh, push the market up are changing. You know, um, we had a very, very accommodative Fed, they're changing. The pace of change is the issue. Uh, we have an oncoming, uh, we have more concern about the economy, you know, given what's going on in Russia and inflation. Um, I think there's more concern about the economy. And, I, and I, uh, my heart goes out to the people in Ukraine. They're fighting a heroic fight. But, you know, it's crazy what's going on. This is genocide. He should not be allowed to get away with this. Just the word stagflation, which I guess is a portmanteau, isn't it? It's uh, it, sort of stagnation and, and inflation at the same time. That's like the worst. And it's kind of the, the converse of what, what is so great and what we've sort of had for a while, which is low interest rates and in, in pretty solid growth. So you remember 74, you remember some of these periods in the past where it just was horrible to be in, in financial assets. Well, you know, the market's been somewhat disciplined, Joe. I got to tell you, somebody sent me a list. And I, tell you, I don't even know the names of these companies. CLOV down 93%, ROOT yeah. down 92%. So you know, the, the market's been very disciplined. And I, I, I said in your program, you know, uh, I think a year and a half ago, I said, we're really in, in, in not one market, we're in, th we're in several markets. We have the FANG market and the FANG, the real FANGs, you know, the, the, the Microsofts, the Googles, the Facebooks, the Amazons. They're not expensive relative to interest rates. Then we have uh, the uh, Robinhood market. And I said, that's crazy. And I think the exact words is that it's going to end in tears. And basically, uh, I, I look at the Robinhood stock is down 86 percent, you know, uh, and uh, the very next day, regrettably, some young man uh, uh, basically committed suicide over his losses. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's uh, then you have the rest of the market, which is uh, the market I traffic in. And I don't get too worried about things that get, you know, single digit multiples. Lee, it's always a pleasure to see you. Um, thank you for your time. My pleasure, and stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, let's try to help people that need help. Looking around here. Okay, let's go. That's why they were rushing us along to try and get us to the. They, no, they weren't though. Yeah, they were. We haven't been listening to rap cues for the last 25 minutes. For the last 25 years. <laughs> okay. Still to come on Squawk Pod, Starbucks board chair Melody Hobson on today's big news. One CEO out and a familiar face temporarily back in. But whoever officially takes the helm at Starbucks has a lot of work to do. We are not hanging on COVID as an excuse. We made some mistakes here. We didn't listen and we need to do that. We are bargaining with the union right now. We want a constructive relationship. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.
With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Today with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick. Here's Becky. Breaking news from Starbucks. This is important. CEO Kevin Johnson is retiring. He's going to be transitioning from his role on April 4th. The company announcing this ahead of its annual shareholder meeting that is taking place later today. And Starbucks founder Howard Schultz will become the interim CEO until the company names a successor. Joining us right now in an exclusive interview is Starbucks Independent Board of Directors Chair Melody Hobson. And Melody, good morning. Um, this is some really, really big news. Good morning. So uh, what happened? Why, why is Kevin standing down? I, I think that comes as a huge surprise to, to investors, to anybody who's been watching the company. It's not a surprise to the board. Over a year ago, Kevin signaled to us that he was starting to think about his future and starting to think about retiring. And he told us he thought the waning days of the pandemic might be the perfect bookend to his five-year, now five-year career as CEO. And so that time has come. The day is now here, and the board wants to respect that decision. He's done a great job for us at Starbucks and um, really wants to move on to do something else now. And then we have this MVP, one of the greatest players in the game on the bench. So the board called him up. We called and said, Howard, would you help us out during this period? And he agreed to do so. We thought at this moment, he's the perfect person, certainly the perfect culture carrier. And so he'll help us transition, help us on board a new leader. And we get all that for a dollar. He's going to do it for free. He's going to be doing this for free, a donation of a dollar to do it. Um, Look, Kevin Johnson, under his tenure, it's been a very impressive stock, up more than 41 percent. But under Howard Schultz, the tenure, the stock price was up by 21,000 percent. And the stock right now up by about 6 percent on this news. It has to be because Schultz is coming back in. Um, if, if, right. Melody, I, I tried to look at the chart and, you know, I'm so old, but it, I remember this. This, this is like a, a deja vu all over again because there was a time when Starbucks had lost its way a little bit, and Howard came back. This is probably, God, what is it, probably 15 years or something. Do you know exactly what I'm, cause it, And then it just 2008. Like a, it, it just ignited. It, 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 he's such a good operator and has such a feel for culture and everything, like we you said. We need a longer-term stock. Yeah, we, I, I tried to look on my, and, and we won't be able to see it because we need to do it, probably do a log, a log chart or something to actually see it. But it, it, had, it had really not done well for, for a while, and he came back in, and that was all it took. And it was just right back on the growth track after. Maybe that's there it. There it is. Yeah, it. and it just came right back. So I've seen this movie before. Well, you know, Howard brings a certain kind of energy to anything that he does. He, it's infectious. He certainly has an entrepreneurial spirit that is so deep. Uh, but this company never stands still. It, he has infected us with that idea of moving forward no matter what. 2008 is what you're referring to. This is not back to the past. It's back to the future. He'll be here for an interim period. We fully expect to have a new CEO here in the fall. But in the meantime, we're going to take advantage of all of that great energy, those ideas. He'll help us reaffirm, recommit, reconnect to our culture in a way that I think will be very useful and a great transition to the next leader. 
Melody, if you knew a year ago that, that Kevin was going to be stepping down, why not start the search for a new CEO already? Or was this a situation where you thought, we, we want to have Howard back in the chair? Well, we had no date certain, first of all. The Howard idea was not, uh, did not come up last year. Um, it was very recent. And I would say that, remember, we're looking for a CEO during a pandemic. We started to step up our process in thinking about succession planning. We put together a working committee. We have engaged Russell Reynolds Associates. We spent a great deal of time thinking about what do we want the next leader to be? What kind of characteristics should he or she have? And so there's been a lot, but we're not going to hire a CEO over Zoom. I can tell you that. And there were times we couldn't even travel. Our board couldn't get together. We have board members who are all over the world. There's a lot. There have been fits and starts, um, but we've been on a path. And this is not news to us. We've been very deliberate, thoughtful, and considered all of our options uh, in this process. If you're anticipating that you will have a new CEO by the fall, what will Howard's role be beyond that? Is he going to be working with this new CEO? Will he be spending time kind of training them, showing them the ropes, teaching them the culture? Certainly, that's something that we want, and that's what we've asked him to do. And he said yes, which is great. We want him to help onboard that next leader. He'll join our board again and um, be a voice, I think, which will be very, very helpful. We want to lean on all of Howard's expertise and all of his brilliance. And again, he said yes, and we want a leader that, that wants to tap into that. We have a great slate of candidates. People want this job, and we're fully confident we'll have a new leader in the fall. He's a baby. He ought to be the interim and the next. Melody, you can make that happen. Give him a, do three, three years anyway. He's not going to stay for three years. I can tell you that. Ben. We get him until the fall. <laughs> Full stop. Trust me, he's not going to he do doing? it. He has had what's he, what's a he great, doing that's so important? He's got a lot to do. He's, he's, you know, Howard never stops dreaming and thinking and wanting to change the world. And that, which, that is what makes him so special and so great. And everything that he believes is possible, I believe is possible knowing him. So I know he has lots of things he wants to do. He's been very active philanthropically and thinking about all of the ills in our society and things that he can do to impact and affect change for everyday people. And, and that's how Starbucks was born. That was the whole idea of leading through the lens of humanity. It's the connection to our people and our partners that he puts so front and center. And, um, you know, I know he'll do amazing things. He, he's but doing this, as you mentioned, for a dollar, us. you know, a dollar. So he's basically donating his time for all of this. He's, he's still a, a big shareholder. Yes, he's a shareholder and he's doing it for his love of the company. And we're really grateful. Um, what what areas does does he plan to focus on first? And I ask this because yesterday we, we talked about this shareholder group. Uh, they're a small shareholder group. I think they only have about $1.2 billion in stock, but they brought up this idea that they would like to see Starbucks work differently with the unions. It's, it's been an issue recently, but Starbucks has a long history of having employees who really love working there. You all did things first under Howard's leadership, just in terms of paying for college for not just full-time, but part-time workers, for bringing in health care plans. It's got to be a different relationship right now, given some of the union issues that, you, that you've seen to this point. What do you say and how do you deal with this new investor group? So first of all, every investor man matters. You know that I'm an investor. I run Ariel Investments as co-CEO. And so the investor voice is very important. All stakeholder voices are important. And that's our job to manage that. At the same time, you've been very clear. The union 
conversation is one that is front and center. It is one where we acknowledge it has been a hard time in the world, it has been a hard time in our industry, and it has been a difficult time in our country, in our company. But I want to tell you right now, we are not hanging on COVID as an excuse. We made some mistakes here, we didn't listen, and we need to do that. We are bargaining with the and negotiating with the union right now. We want a constructive relationship. And Howard, of course, will be about that. But really, when you think about, again, why we're leaning on Howard in this moment, it's that connection with our people and where we think we, where we think he is singularly capable of engaging with our people in a way that I think will make a difference. Well, he's a, a high-minded uh, guy as well. And it, it is, uh, there are tough decisions to be made right now, Melody. I mean, you have a huge market uh, in China. And, and the Chinese people deserve to have lattes. There's no doubt about it. But then you see some of the actions of the regime, and especially now with what we're seeing, whether they continue to, to back Putin and, and everything else. So Howard's going to have to decide, do we, is it okay to satisfy a billion people with their coffee needs, or, or do we take a stand and say, look, we just can't, we just can't do this there anymore? Well, this is what I would say to you. I think that, you know, this company has navigated a lot of issues over the years. We're 50 years old. We've had issues. One of my favorite lines is from Warren Buffett, champions adapt. And we've always adapted. We've never sat still. Our China business is a really important, great business. Yeah. And we've loved building the business there and have had a great relationship there. And we believe we will continue to do so. The world doesn't have to be so binary and black and white, and I think that would make that would lead to us having a better, but, better yeah, consumer, world. Consumer, as a con there, there are some businesses where I, you know, if you're funding China, if you're black, I mean, there, it's, there's a difference between serving the consumers in in China and, and as opposed to um, uh, enabling the regime, if you will, uh, an evil regime. So I don't, you know, I, I see that it's a tough thing to thread. But you're right, Chinese people love lattes. Give them, give them lattes. But it's a tough. It's tough well, to navigate this world. We want to give them lattes. World. We're serving coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Melody, um, China was 12% of Starbucks revenue for the full year 2021. We, we're seeing these lockdowns now in, in Shenzhen, other major cities, even provinces. Has, has that impacted business? Well, we're watching the situation very, very closely. We're in our board meeting yesterday, and we heard from our China team. And so we're, we are ebbing and flowing with the situation as we've done throughout the pandemic. The one thing that we can say consistently is after these lockdowns, we see demand return. And so we will just, uh, you know, keep ebbing and flowing with the situation as it plays out. There's nothing we can do other than that. It, we're also dealing with inflation everywhere. You've got the Fed meeting today trying to figure out what to do next. We're expecting the first right, rate hike since 2018. Um, how is Starbucks handling inflation and uh, wh where are the biggest issues? Is it labor or is it some commodity? Well, I would tell you that like all companies right now, this is there's no manual. This is the first in 40 years that we've seen this kind of inflation. You know this all too well. You report on it every day. There's a lot of scenario planning. There's plan A, B, C, D. We might be an E. I don't know. Um, but certainly we are looking at all of our options. We made the biggest investment in our company's history in the last year in wage, and it's being scaled in. Uh, it's starting last year and into this year. It was the best investment we believe that we can make. Whenever we invest in our people, it really does pay off. So we think that makes a lot 
of sense. We also understand that our partners are feeling the effects of inflation. It's hitting their pocketbooks, and we have to respond um, in some way to be able to help them with that. So we're doing the right thing, and uh, we will manage through it. We always have. And is it safe to assume that the, the new CEO, the one you plan to have in place by the fall, will be coming from outside the company? We are looking at all possibilities. So we just want the best player, and uh, we will need, leave no stone unturned. But as I suggested, we have a really good slate of potential candidates. Melody, I want to thank you for being with us this morning. This is huge news. Um, Kevin Johnson retiring, something he told the board about a year ago, but the market is responding right now to the idea that Howard Schultz is coming back as the interim CEO. That stock up by about 5%. And Melody, thank you very much. Melody Hobson is the, uh, the chair of the board there. Thank you. That's the pod for today. Squawk Box is hosted by Jill Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Thorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Join us again tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.